Rightio, I'm aware we've already spent a lot of time together and, um, oh, thank you very much. I'm really, I really like interaction, as you know. Can you turn to the person next to you and can you ask them, or somebody around you, can you ask them what the three questions that Nath asked us last week in his message were? I'll give you a couple of minutes to get through that. If you weren't here, talk to someone who was, because you'll have no idea. Well, God might reveal something to you. Does anyone want to give us, give us the first one? What was the first question that Nath asked us last week? Who's got the mic? This is a training exercise. This is like to just, you don't need a mic, I know, but I think it's good to train yourself to speak into a mic because one day you'll be up here uh, sharing the gospel with people. I'm pretty sure Nath said, who told you? Like, who told you? Good, yeah, good. First one. Don't say anything more. Who's got the second question? One of the young people's up the back. People's, persons. What was the second question? What wasn't? Oh, whoops. That was the title of the message. What was the, fir- what was the first question? Go, Rachel. Who are you listening to? I'm getting too excited. Who are you listening right. to? That was the first one. Good. What's the second question? One of you guys. Is anybody listening last week? Somebody help me out. Jono, good stuff. Grab the mic. Practice talking to that mic. What are you feeding on? Good. What are you feeding on? What was the last question? Somebody over here. It's to do with Abraham and Sarah. Say that into the mic. Was that, what are you doing about What are you doing? Your action. What's your action? Three questions. Who are you listening to? What are you feeding on? And what's your action? And those are three big questions. Because as a couple of people have shared this morning, sometimes we're not listening to the right thing. Sometimes we're not feeding on the right stuff. And that means that we've got basically no chance of stepping into what God's calling us to do because we're trapped in this spot where we're listening to the wrong stuff, we're feeding on the wrong stuff and we're disoriented, we don't know what's happening. And I really felt this morning we need to dwell on that um, space a little bit bit more and I really want to delve into that third question. What's our action? What are we doing? Um, and as I was preparing this morning, uh, preparing this week, I felt really led to share um, just walk through the story of Jonah together because um, I believe there's a lot of good lessons in there about what it is to wrestle when God asks us to do something um, and, and how we can go about getting to a point where we're happy to step into what God is calling us to do. Um, I love, love, love the fact that we sung heaps of songs this morning about God's father heart and, and God's intimate relationship that he has with us because we run the risk when we talk about God calling us and you know, wanting to do the right thing in situations in our lives. We run the risk of getting really legalistic and almost fearful of God. Um, and I walked that journey for several years. I've been, I've been sharing heaps with, with many of you that I'm journeying with about how I have battled fear in my call to step out and speak to people on the streets in evangelism. And I got to a point in my journey where I was just so fearful because I forgot that God has a father-son relationship with me and I'm God's son and he's asking me to do stuff because he loves me. And he's right there with me. And so I'm just so thankful, Paul, for those songs, that God put those songs on your heart. Because where this message is coming from, I believe, is God saying, you're my sons, you're my daughters. I want to co-labor with you. I want to walk with you. I want to grow with you. It's okay if you haven't got it all together. Don't be fearful of my call. Trust my voice. Let's do this together. All right? So it's not a, I don't want you to sit in a place of fear this morning of that's just too big, God, I can't do that. God is your father. He loves you. He is going to stand by you in whatever he is calling you to do. All right? 
So thanks, Paul. That's good. Thanks for being obedient with those songs. Can we just give it up for Paul? Good stuff. Not because Paul's perfect, but because Paul's obedient and he leads our worship team faithfully and with love and a heart for community and building up the body. I think that's awesome. I just want to actually start by reading a bit um, of stuff that I wrote down this week just to drive home, I guess, where this message is coming from because I believe it's really on God's heart for us all to be on the right page to walk through the story of Jonah together this morning. And it starts last Sunday just with a reflection that I had after Nath was speaking. So um, last Sunday, I was personally convicted about one situation I'm currently in. Um, I believe God gave me a promise a couple of years ago that I've yet to see fulfilled. And funnily enough, I believe I've seen the fulfillment of that promise this week. Um, God's, God's good, isn't he? Um, his timing. Lately, I became extremely anxious and worried that I wouldn't see its fulfillment. And last Sunday, while, whilst listening to Nath share, I felt in my heart that instead of bringing my doubt to God, listening to his voice and reading his truth, I'd been allowing anxious and worrisome thoughts to dominate my headspace. As a result, I haven't been able to support and encourage the people around me in the way that I know God has been calling me to. Um, and whilst it's e- it might be easy for me to claim Um, you know, that in those situations, my will was overridden by that anxiety, that worry and that sort of thing, and I was helpless. That would be a cop-out because I knew that in every situation, I had a choice. I had a choice to listen to the anxiety. I had a choice to listen to the fear. or I had a choice to stand on the promises of God. And and I'd been struggling to do that. Um, And so, Nathan, I just want to thank you again for your obedience in sharing the message. And I know that there was a number of us that were really challenged uh, by that and I believe I was, I was as a result of that I got to a place where I surrendered it to God and you know the answers don't always come straight away but it, God knew I was in a position to actually receive the fulfillment of that promise um, praise the Lord so I know that I know that over the last few weeks um, God has been pushing really hard on my heart to remind me that we have a choice We have a choice in every situation. Even when we feel overwhelmed by negative emotions, we still have a choice about what we allow allow our minds to dwell on. And this morning, I believe we need to talk about choice. We need to talk about choosing to walk in the light as God's children and about choosing to walk to Nineveh rather than running to Tarshish. As humans, we're created with a spirit, a free will. It's a spirit God has granted us which comes with the power to choose, I believe. I'm approaching this morning with a strong conviction in mind that this free will is not something that God takes over at any point, though he does influence us. So I'm sorry if there's any people who adhere really strongly to the predestination theory. Go do some reading. I'm happy to have a a debate with you this week. We'll close that quickly because that's a can of worms. It's, it's complex, I know, I acknowledge, and it's, it's not as clear-cut as it might sound, but I believe God gives us free will. And, and I'm going to speak this morning on that assumption. So if you've got a problem with that, um, I'm sorry. I'm also approaching this morning, just to lead us through talking about this story, on the assumption that God is actually calling us as a local body of believers, Catalyst Church, to move. That was the word that I felt God put on my heart Friday, actually. It's really funny that you guys talk about movement. I think that's really timely. I believe God is calling us to move. 
very specifically, and I don't mean geographically, but in our spiritual posture towards the unchurched community around us. I promise I wrote this before Dave and Eleanor came. Um, And in our posture as well towards other church communities around us. So not just the unsaved, but also the other believers in our era. I believe there's an ongoing rallying of the troops to begin to rise up and use their spiritual gifts to contribute to the building of God's kingdom here. I believe that this assumption is validated by the prophetic words, the prayer themes and the corporate words over the past few weeks here in this place and in the prayer meetings, no doubt in the activate groups and that sort of thing as well. So I believe God's speaking very clearly to us as a church. For all of us, this will look the same. A greater commitment to seeking the Lord through prayer. For all of this, this will look different as well, according to the giftings and specific directions the Lord is granting us in this season. For all of us, this means an increase in growth, unity and fruit. It's important to note that many of us are at different stages to each other. Some of us are running confidently in our calling, though not perfectly, of course. Some of us are summing a little and... um, a little confused, but on the path, and some of us are actually avoiding the path completely, deciding instead to forge our own independent way, though we know deep down that God has a different calling to the one we're claiming to pursue. So I'm excited just to see how unpacking this story this morning reminds us all that God wants us to choose His way in the small decisions, the everyday little decisions when we don't know how to respond to someone who's rubbing us up the wrong way, but also in the big decisions. So I call to mind that question again. What is your action? What are we doing? What are you going to choose to do in response to God's call? Just asked Reuben to uh, read to us this morning um, from Jonah chapter 1. I believe God's given Reuben a leadership gifting and so I grab every opportunity I can to shove a microphone in front of his face. Because I believe God is anointing him for a, a great task. So Reuben, if you can just read through that story for us, that would be awesome. And if yep. you want to open up your Bibles, we're in the New Living Translation. So if you haven't got the New Living, either be completely confused by the different words or just listen to Reuben. I probably suggest the second option. Um, take it away, mate. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He brought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all the time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pray, pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see uh, which one of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, uh, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down upon us? 
uh, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do uh, to, uh, to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy area was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. When they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up uh, Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Appreciate your reading skills. It's a story um, a lot of us know, yeah? Jonah is one of the first uh, stories I remember hearing in Sunday school. Who remembers hearing the story of Jonah in Sunday school? Probably remember like pictures of this massive whale and Jonah-like being thrown into the ocean. I was always really fascinated by why the sky looked, still looked blue when like, the sun was out and Jonah almost had a smile on his face. Like Somehow I don't think it would have been like that. So kids' books are great, but they don't tell the whole picture. I'm sure he would have been freaking out. Anyways, I just want to work through, I guess couple of verses and just look at some of the I guess principles that I think this story teaches us about what it is to follow God and respond to him so we see verse one Yahweh our great God called Jonah he called Jonah very specifically and said go to Nineveh and I think what we see in Jonah's response straight away indicates that he had the wrong perspective you know sometimes when I get called to do something um, and I feel like God's saying, go talk to this person, go talk to that person, or even something just like, you need know, to apologize for that. I'll be like, oh God, this is so hard. My eyes are on myself, and I, I focus too much on what I think God's trying to do in me, and I forget that God's actually calling me to do something because his heart is just breaking for the other person. I think we need to be careful that we don't focus too much on ourselves when God calls us to do something. It's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like, this is a, might be a weird analogy, but this is just what came to mind. You're going to have to put up with my analogies this morning and some, some stories. Is that okay? Great. Awesome. It's kind of like setting the table for dinner at home. Who sets the t- dinner table at home? Young people, is that one of the tasks you've got to do? When... Yep, it is. Good, good. It's in our house. There's a bit of a race, actually, because we have a system in our house. There's four jobs you can do around dinner time because there's four kids. Um, usually three, because Rachel's never home. But um, <laughs> so first, you can you can set the table. So that involves putting obviously the knives and forks out, the placemats and that sort of thing. And then you, that's the easiest job. So there's a bit of a race on when Mum yells, 
can I have the table set? It's usually run, 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 and Ash is usually the one that gets there first, except when his bigger brother decides to not be lazy and actually get off his laptop. Um, what was I saying? Anyways, that's the first job. Second job is to clear the table after dinner. Is that right? I never, clearly I don't do it much. Third job is to wash the dishes and fourth job is to dry the dishes. I always get ropes with the last two. I reckon it's pretty unfair, but anyways, um, we'll, we'll have a family discussion about that later. It's kind of like setting the table, you know. We can get, if, if mum calls us to set the table, I can, I can be like, or Asha, who usually sets the table, can be like, oh, this is a stupid job. Like, I have to work, I have to... You know, I could be playing Xbox now, I could be doing homework, that's probably more so what he's thinking, I could be doing homework. But he's setting, if, we, if, we, if we don't set the table, then we can't enjoy a family meal together. Like, imagine, imagine if we approached all these little tasks just thinking about the outcome, going, we're going to enjoy a fantastic meal together, we're going to enjoy mum's fantastic cooking. Who likes my mum's cooking, by the way? It's great, isn't it? So a, a simple perspective shift sometimes goes a long way to changing the way that we respond to situations, yeah? So when God calls us to do something, let's not focus on ourselves too heavily. Let's think about the joy that's set before us. Just like Jesus, when God called him to get nailed to a cross and go through the most painful experience known to man, he was thinking about the end goal. He was going, what's on the other side? There's a whole bunch of people that are going to get to live for eternity with me. How incredible is that, yeah? It's good. Verse 3, we see Jonah's response. He runs. We run off the path when we listen to the voice of terror, but we stay on the path when we listen to the voice of truth. As Kelly shared with us, some of you would have seen Kelly's post in the Facebook group this week with a song written by Casting Crowns about listening to God as the voice of truth. I highly encourage you to have a listen to that one. I think it's a very anointed song. You know, when push comes to shove, when the rubber hits the road and we're on the ground and, you know, we've got to make a decision, it can be very hard sometimes. Sometimes we've got to battle a lot of emotion. And um, we see this a lot on, on Southern Cross Kids Camp. Those of you who've been on camps know that throughout camp, kids are constantly presented with situations that they find distressing or challenging because of unfortunately, the, the way that their brains are wired, the experiences they've got, sometimes just sitting in a room for half an hour can, um, can be the hardest thing ever for them to do. And they're, they're, you can see it on their faces and in their, their actions. They want to be in the room, but they're just battling all this anxiety and, and anger and that sort of thing. And it's a beautiful thing to watch, actually, because sometimes I go, man, I'm exactly like that. Like when God, when, when there's a task I need to do or, you know, God's calling me to step out, sometimes I can just, I see myself as that kid wrestling, going, oh, man, my human emotion of fear or anger or whatever it is, is, is telling me not to do it. But I know that the right thing to do, I know that the rewarding thing to do, I know that the, the thing that God wants me to do is going to be good. So there's this wrestle. And um, I remember um, the most recent camp that I went on, um, I had a camper who, he was just such a beautiful kid. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry if I've told, told this story already, but I'm going to tell it again because I love it so much. Um, and we were in the craft room, right? And um, all through camp, we'd been battling with, you know, situations where he was trying to do something and then something went wrong and he just lost it because the resilience was so low. His resilience skills were just so low. 
And um, we're in the craft room and another kid had had, had a meltdown. He was halfway through doing this Spider-Man like Beedos thing. Do you, guys, do you guys remember Beedos? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, they're painful when you've got to put like a million of them on the... Yeah, I'm hearing Andrew laugh. Andrew knows. <laughs> Don't you, Andrew? Um, so anyways, the, the kid had had a meltdown um, he'd gotten halfway through like this Spider-Man Beatles thing that had literally, I'm not even exaggerating a million pieces. I, I, of course I'm exaggerating. Um, but it felt like that. And my camper decided that he wanted to help this camper out and repair the... Have I told this story? Great, awesome. I just thought I'd check because if I, if I had, I'd shorten it. He wanted to help this camper out, which is a beautiful thing. I thought it was awesome. But I knew, I knew what was going to happen. I was like, this camper's just had a meltdown. I know it's going to happen. God, please, please help him not to stuff this up. I want to see him achieve it. I want to see him be able to do something great for this other camper. And we get all the way through it, and there's a couple of moments where the bead just like jumps up off the, a couple of the beads, it, it, the table gets bumped, and you can just see the beads jumping off the thing, and then they fall back down, and I almost have a heart attack. I'm like, all right, it's all good. We get to the end, and you know at the end how you've got to iron it so that all the beads stick together? So we get to that process, and one of my friends um, who's overseeing the craft room, she's ironing it, and um, he's going, oh, don't stuff it up, don't stuff it up, and we're kind of joking a bit that, you know, we've put all this work into it, and yeah, she better not stuff it up, and she's like, don't worry, I won't, I won't. Anyway, she starts peeling it off, and it hasn't stuck together, and all the beads just go everywhere, and I'm like, oh, no, he loses it, runs out. Oh, I was just like, we were so close, God. Why? Why? But you know what? Then we had a teachable moment. After we'd calmed down and he'd, he'd gotten all his swear words out and all the lovely stuff that happens on a Southern Cross Kids Camp. Check out the memes page if you want to <laughs> experience a camp without going on a camp. Um, and we had this teachable moment and we were able to talk about our choices and our responses when we get a bit frustrated and how... Everything within us might want us to lash out, but that's not actually going to help the situation. We need to persevere. And we got back in that craft and we spent another 40 minutes finishing this, this Spider-Man Beatles thing. And I'll tell you, my friend, she was not going to stuff up the ironing the second time around. I think she burnt it, but that's okay. Um, so we have a choice. We can either run, we can listen to our emotion, well, we can persevere and we can actually stop and listen to the voice of truth. And that's okay to have a conversation. I think we've talked a little bit about that in the past. It's actually okay to stop and just pause and go, God, I'm really anxious right now. God, I'm really angry right now. God, I'm really frustrated right now, but I want to work through. Pause. Listen to the, to the voice of truth. Ask God to replace those anxious thoughts. He's patient with us. And that's the next point that I've got here. Yahweh redirects Jonah. He doesn't leave Jonah where he is. He doesn't just let him run off. He goes after him. You know, when, when my camper ran out that craft room door, you know, that, that was the last thing on my mind was staying where I was. I was running after him. I was going... He's missing the point. This is such a great moment. I want you back in the craft room. I want you to finish this because when you give this, this um, little Beatles thing to this kid that's had a meltdown before, you're going to experience the joy of knowing what it is to give, the joy of what it is to make someone's day. I wanted him to, to experience something good. And, and God pursues us 
because he wants us to experience something good. It's not because he's a slave driver. He knows what's good for us. That's why he pursues Jonah. That's why he sends the storm. That's why all these terrible things happen that stress Jonah out. It's not because God wants to make life hard for Jonah. It's because God knows what's on the other side. He knows what is in Nineveh for Jonah. Seeing the salvation of a city of hundreds of thousands of people. And, you know, sometimes it can seem like in the moment when things aren't aren't going right and when we're wrestling that God's just putting spanners in the works. But he puts spanners in the works for our good to redirect us. You know, um, and again, this is another story. I've told so many stories up here that I forget which ones I've told and which ones I haven't. Have I told the one about the situation where I got to pray for a Muslim dude's shoulder and it got healed in the door next, in the house next door. Put your hand up if you've heard it before. All right, about half of you. I'm going to tell it again. Yes, I love telling stories. So I was coming home from, I was doing some work for Dave and Bron um, in their factory at Pakenham and I had finished um, at lunch. I can't remember why. I'd finished at lunch, just done a half day and I was walking out of work and I sensed the spirit say, shoulder, left shoulder. So I went back in and just asked the guys who were having lunch, um, you know, have any of you guys got a sore shoulder? Um, and they were like, no, no, I think Chris has, got a, Chris has got a sore shoulder, Chris Ferdinand. So I was like, oh, I'll see him probably on the weekend. I'll ask him then. Um, but I, I'd, something in my spirit was just like, no, I don't think it's him. Got home. There's tradies working on the house next door. Um, this thought popped into mind. Maybe it's one of them. I was like, ah, no, I'm not talking to them. No way. So I, I, I was kind of like in the moment, I was like, all right, well, if you want it to happen, God, you're going to have to redirect me. Um, so I walked inside and was, was a little bit disobedient and just went about my day. And then mum goes, oh, Sam, the tradies want to work on, on the house next door from our side. Can you go around and open the gate um, so they can get the ladder there? And I was like, oh, okay, I know what you're doing here, God. Anyways, so God had redirected me, you know, and I'm so thankful that he did. I'm so thankful that in my first action, my first action of disobedience, he didn't just give up on me because after that I got to experience what I still say today it is my first um, experience of praying for someone and seeing them healed on the spot. And I tell you, I was more excited than the dude who got the healing, I reckon. Um, he was probably, yeah, thinking, what the heck's going on with this guy? Um, I got to see someone encounter Jesus, you know, and if, I, if, if, I'd, if God had left me in that place of disobedience, I would have, would have missed an experience that he wanted me to experience great joy and, and learning as well. I learned so much from that experience. So Yahweh redirects Jonah. God redirects us for our good. Then we get to the good stuff. Go, Jonah. He admits his mistake. Verse 9. So the sailors are asking him all these questions because the lot's landed on him. And, and some, some of us might look at Jonah's response and go, well, of course you admit it, Jonah. You know, the lot's fallen on you. You're out in the open. The spotlight's on you. But Jonah could have denied it, you know. Peter, when, when the spotlight was shone on him after denying Jesus three times, he denied, he denied, he denied. But Jonah instead decides to walk in the light at this point and open up and be honest. And he says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And this act of, of walking in the light is actually really powerful. And admitting our mistakes to God and to others is the beginning of change. It's the beginning of turning our direction towards Nineveh, towards where God's calling us to do. Actually acknowledging the mistakes that we've made. 
Um, And that's really hard sometimes because when we've made mistakes, when we've chosen to be disobedient, again, all this emotion comes up, guilt and shame, and I don't want to be honest because I know what's going to happen. I know I'm going to have to potentially deal with people's responses of being honest and, and telling them what I've done. You know, Jonah was honest. He told him the whole story. I'm, I'm running away. I made a conscious choice to, to turn from God. Um, I remember when we were living at Hallam, young and stupid. For some reason, I, in my bedroom at night, the lights were out. I was supposed to be sleeping. I, I was jumping on my bed. I thought I was a gymnast or something like that. And I was like running from the door and then jumping onto my bed and like trying to do flips and that sort of thing. And um, I actually like slipped after doing it four or five times. I did it again. I slipped and my foot went through the window. And I broke the window and it took me a full like five years, I think, or six years to admit to mum and dad that that was the reason the window broke. I think I, I don't know if you guys remember the, do you guys remember the incident? No, okay, well that's good. (laughs) I lied to my parents, I I sheepishly walked out of my room and said, I pretended that I was like really groggy and had just woken up. I was like, oh, mum, dad, I... I must have been moving around in my sleep and I fell off the bed. <laughs> I broke the window um, and they bought it. But, you know, I had to get... <laughs> but I had to, I actually, I had to carry that guilt of knowing that I'd lied to them for the next six years and I only brought it up at, at the dinner table one, one night, I think, when I knew it was... I knew, like, we were joking and that sort of thing. I was like, yeah, ha-ha, you remember that incident, Mum and Dad? Oh, I was lying to you. So we just <laughs> laughed about it. Um, not, not at all condoning disobedience to, par- to your parents um, because <laughs> it's not good. And as, as I said, I, I actually carried a lot of guilt about that going, no, I haven't been honest with mum and dad here. Um, guilt's a powerful thing, guys. We need to learn how to step out and be vulnerable and own our mistakes. And Jonah's a really good example of this because, as I said, he could have he just made something up, but he was honest. And that leads us on to the next point. And this is something that I... <laughs> I don't think I comprehended the greatness of this little point until this week. Jonah's act of being honest and obedient and sh- telling it how it was caused the sailors to worship God. And, and God used what looked like a really messy situation to actually bring these fellows like, to the point of acknowledging that God's the one true God. Let's just read again in, in verse 12. So the sailors said, um, what should we do? to stop this storm and, and Jonah says throw me into the sea um, and, and then it says instead the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to land but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it interesting point there Jonah had been honest with them they could have gotten a bit like angry and violent with him like you've lied to us Jonah like you're the reason this storm like is threatening our lives you're the reason our ship that we've probably put heaps of work into to hiring or owning and all the cargo that's here like you're putting our lives in in danger like you're an idiot but instead they actually don't do that they don't respond in that way they actually row hard they go no we don't want to throw you overboard Jonah we want to get to land so there's with the honesty and openness Jonah's actually built rapport with these dudes and and they've actually seen that you know he's not a bad dude he's just a dude that's probably very scared and running away from God. And then it says that they worshipped him. They worshipped him. And they pray. They actually pray to God and say, don't hold us responsible for his death. And I just think that's a phenomenal point. 
verse 16, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So we don't know what happened to these sailors. We don't have another um, part of the Bible that tells us um, what the dudes got up to, but they vowed to serve him. I think that's pretty serious. Yahweh can reveal himself to others through our response to our mistakes. When, when we think all is lost, when we think we've stuffed it up, God is still able to move through us. God is still able to move through our integrity, our decision to be honest, our decision to walk in the light. So guys, if you've made mistakes, if there's things coming to mind this morning, God is not done with your situation. How you respond, how you choose to respond, could be the greatest witness. Because people in our culture and society don't do this very well. They do not know how to own up and be responsible for situations where they have caused a lot of heartache. And so sometimes just choosing to do that and own your mistakes will be, I believe, a bigger witness than sharing, you know, Jesus loves you or saying, quoting a verse to someone. There's obviously time for that stuff, but our decisions to respond in the messiness are a great opportunity for the world to see what it is like. Because if, we, if we're able to do that, then the world sees that we don't have our identity tied up in our own pride, that we know where someone else is and we know that somebody else is holding on to us. So be honest. Own your mistakes. I like that. I like interaction. Praise the Lord. Oh, do you want to hear another story? Yeah. This is a cool story, actually. I like this one. All right, so we're at State Youth Games. I don't know if I've shared any, this with any of the youth, actually. Who was at State Youth Games? Is there a few of you? Yeah, cool. Very good. So on um, Saturday night, some of you remember I had a friend with me on Saturday. Um, I, she was leaving. Um, her car was parked on one side of the fence and there was a gate. And um, they changed the rules this year. Um, and usually we could go through the gate to access the car park because basically the campsite that Berwick Church of Christ, Fuse Youth, um, who we went to State Youth Games with, Activate Youth, um, we have a campsite right on the perimeter of Lardner Park um, and the car park's on the other side of the gate um, and usually we'd just be able to walk through the gate and get to our cars, but they changed the rules this year and we had to drive all the way like out the other side, so it was like a five-minute journey. Um, so the gate was locked. There was a, a security attendant there, and um, we made a silly decision to to walk, uh, to duck under the gate, ask the security guard if, you know, we could we could just bend the rules a little bit. Um, so I walked up to the security guard and was like, hey, mate, it's a bit of a long walk. Like, do you mind if we just duck under the gate? Um, we're not going to be long. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm not supposed to do it, but it's all good. I'm, I'm not looking. Um, bad decision, Sam. Um, the little just choices we make, sometimes we don't think that they mean much, but that is going to be a predictor of the decisions that we're going to make in the bigger moments. Our small decisions show what integrity is like in our lives. We need to be honest. We, we, need, to, we need to make the right decisions even when it's something small, just like going to a car and ducking through a gate. And, and what happened was... Um, we ducked under the gate, said goodbye to my friend and, and came back and um, I felt really convicted. I was like, I made the wrong choice here. So I actually went and apologised to the security guard and he said, oh yeah, man, like, thanks for apologising. My boss saw it happen. He came over and gave me a bit of a, a whooping. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to do that. You know, you're just 
why'd you do that? You shouldn't be letting people out. And I, immediately the guilt just crashed over me. I was like, man, I've just put this guy in the worst position ever. Like, might have even threatened his job or something like that. So I was like, I've got to do something to make this right. So the only thing I could think of in the moment was the guys at the campsite were having dessert. I was like, bro, like, do you like apple pie? <laughs> um, get you some apple pie. So anyways, got him some apple pie, walked over um, and God's timing is incredible. His boss had come back um, and they must have switched. Um, so the guy actually wasn't there, um, but his boss was. But I didn't realise it was his boss. So I walked up to the guy and, and just said, hey, um, do you know where the guy who was here before is? Um, and, and the dude said, oh, yeah, I've just sent him off to another part of the, uh, of the premises. Um, I was like, oh, I just, I said, oh, I've promised, the, promised him an apple pie dish. Um, do you mind if you call him over? And he was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's really nice. That's cool. And he, I think he mentioned the situation. And, and then I, I was like, right, I can be honest, honest here. And I was like, you know, man, like that was actually me. I was the dude who asked your employee to, um, to duck under the gate. And I just want to apologise to you because, you know, I know he made a decision to let me through, but I put, I put him in a really difficult position. Uh, and I actually said, I said, look, you know, because realising that State Games is a Christian event, I was like, mate, I've stuffed this up completely. So I said, look, I'm a Christian and I'm a Jesus follower. I think I said Jesus follower. And um, what I did was not in line with how I strive to live my life. And I know it's just something small, but I want to apologise because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not following Jesus' example with what I did. And so I'm sorry for, for giving you a wrong impression of what a Christian's like. And, and the guy was just like, wow, man, that's... He was touched, you could tell, and um, called the employee over and I gave him his apple pie and... Um, and then the boss, was, he, he, point, he pointed at me and, and spoke to his employer and he said, this is what a real man's like. He's honest. And I was like, I stuffed up. I don't deserve that compliment. I'm sorry. Um, but what a good example of how the way we respond, how, what, what a witness that is to the world. Um, so be honest, guys. It's, it's worth it. I can tell you from experience. So Jonah's admitted his mistake. Um, I think I've jumped a few. Admits his mistake. He takes a step of faith. Verse 12. So he says, throw me into the sea. I just realised I've talked through a slide that was after this one so just bear with me in case you're wondering so we're going to go back to verse 12 we just looked at verse 16 about the sailors worshipping um, Yahweh so verse 12 the sailors ask him and he says throw me into the sea why does Jonah say throw me into the sea I suspect that he he either was listening to to God talking to him and God had given him a specific instruction and said you know you need to be in there in the ocean or um Jonah's gone, I need to do something about this. I need to trust you, God. Or he's completely lost it and he's like, I'm done. You know, I've disobeyed God. I might as well die. And regardless, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interpret it as he trusted that God was going to do something. And I think when we've stuffed up, we need to actually take a step of faith. 
And I know theologically this is a little bit of grey territory because we don't know Jonah's motive for jumping into the sea, but I am going to interpret it as God had spoken to him about an action that he needed to take. And I think this is a biblical principle um, in terms of responding and bouncing back from when we've disobeyed. Sometimes the step of faith that we need to take after we've disobeyed is greater than the one that God originally asks us to do. If Jonah had just gone to Nineveh, then he would have avoided a lot of heartache and he would have avoided a lot of messiness stepping out of that first situation. So sometimes when we stuff up, there's still a step of faith to be taken. But once we've processed it with God, once we've been convicted and allowed him to change our heart, taking that step of faith with the power of the Holy Spirit, it's easy. Step out in boldness. Another story. Telling all our stories this morning. I hope that's okay. So I was at a music shop purchasing some guitar strings or something one time. And um, as I was paying, I, I sensed God say to me, somebody in the store has got a sore back. Um, and I didn't respond. I paid for the strings, walked out and was like, oh, I'm fearful, God. I don't know if I can do it. I felt like it might have been one of the attendants. And I drove home in disobedience. And it just it nagged at me for for the rest of the week. And I actually got to a point where I was like, God, I've got to go back to that store. Somebody in there needs to experience healing. So two days later, I drove back to the music store. Um, I walked in and, and grabbed a, another item that I made an excuse to, to buy so that I could go back. And I said to the, the attendant, I said, bro, this might sound a bit random, but has anyone in the store got a sore back? And he kind of looked at me and was like, how'd you know? Like, like, yeah, I've got a sore back. I was like, whoa, here we go. And then I got to share with him and, and pray with him. And, you know, I don't know if he got healed or not, but I know that God spoke very specifically to me. But take it, making that choice to go back to the music store was a lot harder than if I just obeyed on the spot. It meant that I was a little bit inconvenienced, you know, I had to change my plans during the day. It meant that I had to really suck up my my pride, really clean that out and go be honest with the people around me I think I you know a couple of people had asked how my day was and um, I shared that I'd driven back and um, with I guess with the risk of of being perceived as you know that's a that's a big call um, to make and and that's that sucks that you were disobedient I suppose but it was worth it and you know after processing it for a couple of days with God I knew what he was calling me to do and I'm so glad I went back I'm so glad I went back. Jonah prays. We're getting to the end here. Jonah prays. This is the most important step, guys. We've talked a lot about the emotions, the, the struggle, the wrestle, when God's calling us to do something and we know, we know, we know, we want to do it, but we just can't take the step. We just can't step out and ask the person, can I pray, with, pray for you? We just can't muster up the guts to go, I'm so sorry, mum and dad, I lied to you. We just can't speak that word of encouragement because we feel like we're so weighed down by guilt and, and shame or locked up in our own thinking. We've got to pray. We've got to come to our father. We've got to wrestle with him. And I absolutely love, Joey's got to go to the toilet, Corinne, just in case you didn't hear that. I love Jonah's prayer. And I think this is one of these parts in the stories that 
we just tend to skip over sometimes because there's a lot of prayers in the Bible. Sometimes we like the good bits, the Jonah getting thrown overboard and the sailors praising God. Jonah's got this prayer in chapter 2 and if you want to flick to it now, I just want to read through it because I think it's an incredible prayer. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you've driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more to your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves. The waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Jonah laments. He tells God how it, how it is. He processes the situation. I'm in the, in the belly of a fish. I'm in the ocean. I should be dead. But God's answered my prayer. It, always, it fascinates me how Jonah said that he, God had answered his prayer while he was inside the fish. I would have thought you'd say God's answered my prayer once you were spat up on the beach. Nath talked last week about Abraham saying in faith, we will come back to you when, he had, uh, when God had asked him to go and sacrifice Isaac. And Isaac asked him, you know, what's, what's the go? And his servants asked him, what's the go? He said, we will come back. That's a prayer of faith. That's a prayer of faith that Jonah prayed. My God has answered my prayer. And sometimes when we're in the midst of turmoil, we've got to declare, God has answered my prayer because I know he is faithful. Despite all the emotions that we're feeling, God has answered my prayer. God is my salvation. God is faithful. Earnestly pray. Earnestly pray, guys. We need to earnestly pray and come before the Lord when we are wrestling with whether we're going to respond in obedience to God or not. Because in that place, there is the voice of truth. In that place, the truth will overcome fear, anxiety, anger, shame, guilt. In that place, we will see our victory. And in that place, God will birth in us the faith to step out in obedience. This will be my last story. I want to be really practical this morning and just share, you know, because I feel like when we've got practical examples, it becomes more real to us. Um, I've got three stories here. I'm going to pick one. Um, a couple of months ago, um, I think last year actually, Joel Bunston, um, before he, moved, he and Soph moved to Ballarat, um, I was having a conversation with him and I shared that I believed that God was you know, calling me to go to India and do this placement. And um, he pulled out a business card um, and he said, 
man, I had this conversation with this dude like a couple of months ago and it was a bit weird, but I feel like I need to give him the card that, give you the card that he gave me. He does work in India with, with communities and I was like, oh yeah, cool, all right. And um, I've had that card in my, in my phone case for the last six months or whatever it is and I was just so scared to make the phone call. I was like, gosh, my, you know, my placement's all sorted, everything's um, lined up. If I call this guy and then he's like, come and do work with us, then I'm going to have to change my plans. I'm going to have to travel by myself through a country that I don't know, that I know is really dangerous and there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, if I make this call, like, I am putting myself on the line. I'm putting my time, my comfort um, and all that sort of thing in, in, in doubt. And... Um, I got to a point this week where I was like, what am I doing? I've got to make this call. Like, even if it's not, you know, even if it's just random and, and, and it's not God speaking, I feel like I need to make this call. So I did on Thursday at about 3.30pm um, and um, the guy didn't pick up, um, but he called me back straight away and said, oh, that's awesome. I'm so excited that you're going to India. Like, I'd love to love to catch up with you. Why don't we Why don't we catch up for a for a coffee tomorrow? Um, like Friday's my day off, and I'm actually in Pakenham. Um, he lives in Druin, and I, I work on Fridays at school. And so my first response was, "Oh, it's not going to work." You know, sorry, mate. Like I, I work on Fridays, um, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit was like, "No, you need to meet with him." I was like, "Oh." Oh, that means I've got to ask my boss for time off. I hate asking my boss for time off because that means uncomfortable and he might say no and he might, uh, might say, why are, you, why are you taking off? And then I'm going to have to explain to him what's going on. All right, I'll ask my boss. I'll get back to you in a couple of hours. Hung up the phone, text my boss. Can I have an hour off tomorrow, an hour and a half off tomorrow to go to a meeting? Boss texts back in about half an hour going, yep, all good, go for it. I'm like, all right. I'm going to catch up with this guy that I haven't met, does this work in India. Caught up with him on Friday. It was the most amazing thing. I, I sat with him as he shared stories of how he's preached to villages. They've come to know Jesus. He's dug wells in, wells in villages. Of the, the, um, so he's digging wells for the lowest of the low. And villages are coming to Christ just because of the witness that he's had. And so he's sharing all these inspirational stories about what God's doing. And he didn't ask me to do anything crazy. He didn't ask me to, you know, visit them. God just wanted to build some faith in me. He wanted to line me up with someone who would encourage me. Because at this point, I've got very, very few Christian connections at all. And, and I don't know whether God's going to use that connection in the future. But I'd let fear and anxiety dominate my thinking and my action for, for six months. And I'd come up with this scenario that I was playing out of my head that wasn't real and wasn't going to happen. We need to step out. We need to have that conversation and pray and wrestle with the Lord because then we'll find the faith to step out and do what he's calling us to do. And how good is the stuff on the other side? How good is the stuff on the other side? We see that Jonah goes and preaches to Nineveh and sure he has another meltdown later on. We all know the story. But he gets to see an entire city saved. He gets to see God at work and... We want to see our city saved, don't we? We want to see people walk in healing and wholeness, just like these guys are talking about. And I want to say that I am super, super encouraged about what is going on in our family. There is people that are wrestling, that are making decisions to step out on a day-to-day basis, to talk to their neighbours, to make peace with their families. 
to admit mistakes and wrongdoings, to clear up the record, to be visionary and, and bold and, and think and, and wrestle with what God wants to do in our community, to put plans down, to, to speak ideas out. There's some incredible stuff, guys, going on in this body. And I want to encourage you, keep running. Just because we're talking about Jonah's, Jonah running away doesn't mean I'm saying, God's saying we're all running away. That's not the case. Some of us might, might be. And I would encourage you that there's a space to respond to God this morning. But for those of you that are running and just are wrestling, you know, to continue following what God's calling you to do, keep doing it. It's so good. It's so good. God is doing such a good work. Just a couple of quick points. God's calling us to step into faith. Walk down a path of faith. This morning you might be, you might be wrestling with that. God might be call, calling you to do something really specific, to step into an opportunity. I want to encourage you. Wrestle with it. Pray. Be honest with others. Get accountability. Work that decision through. God might be challenging you to be honest and admit some stuff-ups. Pray. Bring it to God. Allow him to work on your heart. Remind him that he is your father that wants you to walk in freedom. God might be calling you to walk down a path of purity, to deal with some unhealthy habits that you know are holding you back. Pray. Wrestle. Get accountability. God's your father. He wants you to walk in freedom. He does not want you to be constrained any longer. God might be calling you to walk down a path of forgiveness, to let go of bitterness. Pray. Get on your knees. Go, God, I'm struggling to forgive this person. Watch God speak to you. Change your heart. Step out in obedience. I just want to come back to those questions that Nath left us last week. What are you feeding on? You're feeding on God's truth. Are you spending regular time with brothers and sisters pulling apart the word? Sharing what God's doing in your lives? Because if you're not, it's going to be really hard to walk down the path that God's calling you to. It's going to be really hard for us collectively to walk down the path that God's calling us to as a church if we're not spending time together in Activate groups, in ID groups, in informal gatherings, prayer and that sort of thing, pressing into what God's asking us to do. And who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of truth? You're listening to your anxiety and fear and anger and bitterness and shame. God, God's voice is so gentle, consistent, calming, still. Get into that place, guys, where you're listening to his voice. And if you're struggling with that, if you don't know how to do that, I encourage you to talk to someone this morning. Um, guys that were out there in prayer, I'm going to throw you all under the bus again. Can you just stick your hands up? Um, to, if, you, if you're struggling, if you don't know how to do any of this stuff, go talk to one or two of the people with their hands up. They'd be more than willing to pray with you or talk to someone else that you trust. And um, I've just included a few, few verses there at the end. I'm, I think we can get these slides up on the web maybe this week, Matt, or sent out. Just if, if you don't know where to start and you want some, some verses, some truths to meditate on, um, I just wanted to put that up there, but we'll leave it there. Why don't we just pray? Lord, I want to thank you so much that <coughs> you call us 
you are faithful. You see Nineveh. You see the people that are walking in darkness that need to know your light. Thank you that people who are struggling, you are drawing to yourself. And thank you that you want to co-labor with us, God. We know that you could have saved the entire city of Nineveh by yourself. But you called Jonah because you wanted to use him and co-labor with him. Father, I just want to come against every lie that we would believe that would disarm us and disable us from doing what you're calling us to do in our community this morning. And I want to pray that you would replace that with a joy an excitement, a passion for what is on the other side of our obedience, God, for what is waiting us in Nineveh, the healings, the revelations of the gospel, the restoration, the relationships that are going to be restored among families in our region, businesses that are going to start being honest and start work for the starting to work for the common good. Father, we thank you so much for the good things you have planned for us. And we thank you that you are at our backs. You are for us. You are not against us. We thank you that you are our Father. That you love, you love, love, love to partner with us and go, see what I'm doing. Look at this. How good is this? Father, I pray that you would indeed realign our perspectives this morning. And spare us to continue saying, for the joy that is set before me, I am going to bear my cross daily. So, Father, we just give you praise and honour. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for the good work you were doing in our midst. And we pray in Jesus' name that we would be people that say yes and amen when you call us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.